things can't be templated in the world of business. You've really got to lean into what lights you up, what excites you. And, you know, downloading the next freebie or Googling the next this and trying to duplicate exactly what someone else did is not going to work. So the more that people can focus on you just doing you, your business and life will accelerate more than what you think it will. Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Steph Taylor. For years, I read all the books, downloaded all the freebies, and did all the courses. But it wasn't until I started taking Imperfect Action that my business had its first million-dollar year. Imperfect Action is about doing things before you're ready, prioritizing consistent action over perfect action, and moving forward, even when you're not sure you're doing it right. On this show, you can expect mindset advice, actionable marketing tips, and strategies to build a business that brings you more profit, more freedom, and even more joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co forward slash DBB or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Imperfect Action. This is episode 604. Today, I'm chatting with a very good friend of mine, a former coach of mine, and I'm very excited for this episode because we're talking a lot about business and life. And today's guest is Angela Henderson. She is an international award-winning business coach for women. She's an international keynote speaker, and she's also a podcaster like me. And she really loves to help women in business make more money through strategy and through mastering their minds so that they have a business and a life that they love to show up to every single day. And we just vibe on a lot of those, a lot of those things, uh, which is why we became friends and why we are still really good friends. So I'm super excited for today's episode because some of the things that we're talking about include 2022 and All of the life events that Ange navigated through that, you know, from being trolled online, a divorce, um, business things. And then, of course, 2023, what we're excited to try this year, uh, what trends Ange has been noticing with her clients in the online business space. And then we're wrapping it up by talking about something that I've wanted to talk about on this show for a while, but I haven't. And that is running a business as somebody who has ADHD because I was recently diagnosed last year and was diagnosed a while ago. And it's something that I think many business owners struggle with, many business owners have. Uh, It's just the nature of running a business, the kind of people that are attracted to running a business. We we are outproportionately people who have ADHD. So we're talking a bit about how Ange manages it in her business and She gives me a wonderful piece of advice that I'm very excited to implement into my business. So without further ado, let's jump into today's interview. And welcome back to Imperfect Action. It's been a whole three years, more than three years. I think it was 2019 the last time that you were on this show. So I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited to talk a little bit about life, about business, um, and about what's ahead this year. So welcome. Hey, my friend, always fun to hang out. And yes, always good to be back. So yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited just to, as always, hang out with you, be in your presence and create some magic together. Yay. So, and I'm going to kick off with a a pretty big question. How was your 2022? 
I mean, listen, 2022 was, again, you could say perfectly imperfect, right? In many ways, no pun, no pun intended. But listen, it was a beautiful year on many ways. Uh, there was some beautiful things that came from it. There were bits that were hard, um, but I believe hard isn't forever. And I also believe hard is a choice. So yeah, so I guess if you go wind back a little bit, people are like, well, what was hard about it? 2021, December 25th, Christmas Day, 2021, my husband kind of me off for the last time. And I remember being in the bathroom and I was crying and I said, I'm not entering another year of this. It, it's not happening. And so I went out, pulled him aside and I said, you've got till March to get out. And I said, and that's it. Now, some people would be like Christmas Day. Do you know what I mean? What the hell? Like, did it, yeah, like, but I'm like, no, like sometimes enough is enough. And sometimes it's okay to put your needs first. And that's just what it was. Here I am as a business coach helping women around the world. And I live by the motto, whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. But the one thing that I wasn't changing was my relationship with my husband of 20 years. So I was still actively the person making a choice every single day to continue this relationship that no longer served either of us. So I guess the hard parts, and again, was it necessarily super hard? I mean, there were, the hard part was obviously having to tell our children that was an exceptionally hard day. Obviously, the day he moved out was a hard day. And then obviously Christmas this year was tricky just because, again, new traditions. But hard doesn't last forever. And I think sometimes when we're in the thick of the heart, it feels like it's never going to ease up. So that was probably hard. And then from that hardness, I guess, Steph, my revenue took a bit of a hit. But what came from that was holistic wealth. And what a lot of people, I think, in the online space focus on is revenue wealth. And I focus on holistic wealth. So what I mean by that is there's like, I look at wealth from nine different buckets, revenue wealth, uh, mental wealth, physical wealth, relationship wealth, self wealth, et cetera. And from that, I found love again. From that, you know, I've dropped almost 20 pounds because I'm now out walking and putting that first. My mindset is stronger. So again, there's so much good that has also come from that, from different wealth buckets, despite revenue wealth going down. Wow. Okay. There's a lot we can unpack there, but I think, so, I mean, obviously you mentioned it took a bit of an impact on your revenue, but what would you say that, you know, going from 2021 and that massive life shift, how do you think that impacted your business and how you showed up as a business owner in 2022? I think there is different ways that I showed up because I'd already, I mean, this is interesting that I'd asked them for the divorce, but I'd already done my year planning weeks before that. And so I'd already blocked off. It was like 70 something days for holidays, et cetera. But it ended up being that it was almost like 120 days or 150 days that I had off for my business last year. So, and when I say off, like we're talking like weekends off, week-long holidays off, etc. And that was, I still showed up for my clients. I was still consistent on social media. My podcast still went out, but I needed the ability in my business uh, and that I'm creating a business to be able to do what I wanted to do and take that time that I needed. Uh, and there wasn't really an agenda. It was like, I just want to go to Noose with the boyfriend and all my clients are taken care of. Great, I'm going. And so there is this really notion of years of being in business, understanding that the business I built was truly what I wanted it to look like. However, there was a direct correlation because I am so part of my business and that's what I've chosen to do. I'm the face of my brand, et cetera, that the business model also had to be explored going, okay, well, if you want to take off 120, 150 days a year, the current business model 
will either mean you stay at the revenue that you're at or we need to change things up. And so it was a great also reflection and insight as to what do we need to do for the business differently in order for it to be a bit more automated without me having to be the person they're doing all the time. Do you mind sharing what the outcome of that was? Like what changes have you made or what changes are you planning to make to your business model as a result of that? Because that's something I've also, you know, there were, there, I think we've all kind of go through those stages of our businesses where we're like, what I'm doing now, what's got me to here is not going to get me to there. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very much like you were at that point as well. Yeah. So for me, our biggest thing is, is I had a program called Everyday Payday, which helps women make more money every day. Uh, and that program we used to sell for $1,200. And what we did is we've now, ch- and there's two, two main things that I wanted is I was like, not enough women are accessing this program to be able to make more money every day because it still can be too far out of reach for people for whatever reason. So um, I wasn't making the impact that I wanted. Second is the business model wasn't working. So I was working with my new coach at the time. And what he said was, he's like, Ange, how do you feel if we turn this into a bottom end $37 product? And I was like, sweet, let's roll. Now, a lot wow. of people would be like, oh, you're like, but you could get $1,200 could have, would have, but it was no longer serving me and it was no longer in alignment. So now we've taken the $37 product. Uh, and again, it's our really, really front end product, but the way that our funnel is now set up, it then leads to increased sales on our back end, which means we can then automate it with like, uh, either affiliates. We can automate that with Facebook ads. And then it doesn't need me to be able to do the heavy lifting. And then it also means I don't have to be launching that program all the time. So again, so we've only really just started making those changes October, November, and already we're seeing, uh, yeah, significant more uptake from the program. And then we've also implemented in the funnel some different, our funnels a bit different so they can purchase and then we bring them into a call to then help warm them. And there's a few other things we're doing. So it was a really great, again, reflection to go, well, if this program is, I ultimately created it to help women get more money, but not everyone has access to it. It's been also um, heartwarming to be able to see more women making changes within their businesses and, and propelling forward too, without it being a $1,200 ticket price. How did you communicate that price increase to the people who'd already bought it? Because, you know, like it's, it, sorry, the pet price decrease. Like it's one thing when you're, when somebody's bought it at 1200 and you're putting it up to 1500, but if somebody's bought it at 1200 and you're dropping it to 37, yep. how do you cope with it? Like what do you do with the people who've bought that? Listen, I'd, I'd love to, that's their problem. Huh? That kind of, that can be quite blunt stuff, but the reality of it is, is, I can't predict what I'm going to change and what I'm not going to change in a business model when I created that program months ago. Old Ange and old Ange's mindset would have been like, what are those other clients going to think? They're going to think poorly of me. I'm not enough. That's our subconscious brain really getting to us. And that's the stuff that blocks us from our growth. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. No, I delivered what I said I was going to deliver. It happened to be $1,200 at that time. But my, my business has changed. I wasn't out to get anyone or take anyone's money. And I know that. And again, I think sometimes we can get stuck when we start to decrease our prices or even increase our prices. It can go the other way too. So for me, it was like, I wasn't prepared to go down this deep, dark spiral of the what ifs. I was prepared though, going, this is what I know, that what the truth is. And what I know is this is going to help more women. If people have a problem with that, that's on them. That's not an Ange problem. Because I still did what I said I was going to do at time of purchase. 
Did you get any people who had negative feedback about that? Amazing. No. Yeah, oh, wow. Wow. If old Eng, five years ago, I would have probably not done anything and not taken the imperfect action because I would have sat on it wondering and worrying about what other people were going to think. That's a big, yeah, that's a big lesson, right? Um, and which segues beautifully into my next question, which is what are probably, what, what are your biggest lessons that you will take from 2022 into this year? 2022, I mean, listen, there is lots of lessons. One is, again, you can do hard things. Uh, one is whatever you get, you are not changing, you are choosing. The other thing, too, is the courage to be disliked. Uh, January started off with a very big media outlet uh, taking on one of my articles to where we saw tens of thousands of comments. It was... It was viral. It was a and, year ago. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, going into 2022, you're like, Happy New Year. And I think we are 10 days in. Funnily enough, they've repurposed uh, it this year. Do you know what I mean? So I've been getting emails just this week going, Hey, can you tell me about that? I'm like, Oh, they must have repurposed it to which they did. But it was for me was, is it was the worst day in business that I've ever had by far. I had my phone going off, friends going, Did you see what's going on? Da 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 da. Uh, and so for me was about understanding that not everyone's going to like you and to have the courage to be disliked. So yeah. for me, that's, it was really uh, important for me to strengthen that muscle, for me to understand, to continue to use my voice and to continue to have impact despite what, you know, the rest of the world is going to say. And, and just for those to give some context, that article was about how I outsource a house manager, a gardener and a cleaner and society like technically the most of society isn't prepared for those conversations because they're still on the nine to five rat race. They're in there. They want people to tell them what to do. And there's also significant money blocks. Most people also haven't done the inner work. They're not working on strengthening their mindset. They're not working on rewiring the neural pathways. They're not working on, do you know what I mean? The spirituality, whatever that looks like. And so I knew that article was going to uh, the majority of the population off. But, you know, again, so having the courage to be disliked was really important for me too. Yeah. And I mean, for context, because I remember what happened, but I don't know if many of our listeners would be familiar with that. For context, what was the part that blew up? Like, what was the backlash that you got from that article? Backlash wasn't necessarily from the article per se. Well, th- I mean, there's parts of the articles that like, well, I, um, they were saying things like your kids are going to be deadbeats. Um, your husband's a worthless piece of shit. Um, why? Oh, white privilege, right? Oh, only, you know, except, like the, I mean, those are just some of the things, right? And at that stage, when they said that my kids were deadbeats, I knew I could no longer read any more comments because I was like, my kids take out the trash. My kids do mean pick up. My kids do the dishwasher, whatever. But again, society, they, they also didn't cope that I was paying to hire people. But what they didn't realize is we were still in a pandemic at that stage. And I was hiring a high school student to be able to upskill and level himself. And I hired his mom who had lost her job during COVID. So being able to give people employment was also frowned upon, which makes no logical sense to me whatsoever. Uh, so there's that. But what happened was, is there is a very known person here in Australia who calls herself a feminist. I won't name names. Um, and she uh, shared the article, but then made some, what was, I would say it was almost borderline defamation because I actually got a lawyer uh, involved at one stage. And, uh, and, 
she shared that with wrong information to her audience. So then it only fueled, do you know what I mean? More backlash and more people going like, again, you're dead beats, you're worthless. Who is it? Yeah. So it was like a combination of what was in the article that people couldn't cope with. But there was also a combination of this other very well-known Australian who decided to put her two cents in, which anyone who's in business will know about sharing things and then clickbait. And so it was interesting that uh, when I looked at this particular seed is she would always share very controversial topics, I guess you could say. And as soon as she was done, she would then have a selling post to then sell her stuff. So I was like, and she had done it multiple times. So I was like, coincidence, like, come on, lady, you know exactly what you're doing. But listen, life is life, and I'm not going to let other people get me down. It doesn't mean that my feelings weren't hurt and that I didn't take it on emotionally. I am a bit of an empath, but it's only made me stronger. And, you know, people aren't going to, what's the word, quiet me, Steph, um, in relation to what I have to say and how I can help people. Mm, I think that's such a big lesson for anybody in business. I know, like, I don't know if you notice this with your clients, but I definitely have a lot of students who come through my courses who are like, Oh, I really want to post this controversial opinion that I have about whatever their topic of expertise Uh is, but I'm scared people are going to troll me. I'm scared of what people are going to say. I'm scared Uh of what people are going to think. Uh And I mean, like your situation was obviously quite an extreme one and I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it's also you've grown such a thick skin through that. 100%. And I think the thing is, is the longer you're in business, the skin just gets thicker. So when we first start, it feels like the world's going to end and it's going to crumble, but it gets a little bit easier, gets a little bit lighter. Yes. So coming into this year, what's your word of the year? I know you're quite big on setting those. Yeah. So again, the word of the year for me going into this year, and I've been setting words of the year now for since 2017. Uh, it's just something that grounds me. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you have to have the same word for the whole year. It, you might chop and change it. But for me, my word of the year is intentional. And if you think about the defini- definition of intentional, it is, is done on purpose. So I'm doing things deliberately. Uh, and so, yeah, so I want to be intentional with my time, intentional with my health, intentional with my relationships, intentional with my decisions of what will move my business forward the most. So, yeah, everything for this year is going to be around intentional. That was my word of the year for 2020. And that kind of went out the window around March. (laughs) But see, again, you can adapt. Like, that's where I think people like, oh, you've got to have it for the year. No, do what works for you. And I think that's what, you know, I really want, you know, business owners to remember is do what works for you. And that's why I believe, you know, things can't be templated in the world of business. You've really got to lean into what lights you up, what excites you. And you know, downloading the next freebie or Googling the next this and trying to duplicate exactly what someone else did is not going to work. So the more that people can focus on you just doing you, your business and life will accelerate more than what you think it will. Absolutely. So then like more broadly, I know we don't want to copy what everybody else is doing, but what trends have you been noticing recently with your clients and maybe with like the online space more generally? I love, I love talking about trends because I've also noticed a few and I'm curious if we've noticed the same ones. Listen, trends. I mean, it's funny. I used to notice a lot more trends. And then I, I guess one of the things I've been doing is, is decluttering what I'm consuming, right? And so I haven't really paid too much attention to trends, if I'm 100% honest. But what so I can say on. is... Let me reframe what I mean by trends. I don't mm-hmm. mean like everybody's doing reels or okay. everybody's like, oh, chat GPT. 
Yeah. I mean, like more trends, like is every, are everybody putting their prices up? Okay. Are they yeah. cluttering how many offers they sell? Like those gotcha. kinds of yeah. yeah, so I would say for me, what I'm seeing with a lot of my clients is more about simplicity scales. So really about a lot of clients will come to me and they've got a million different things going on. And I'm like, well, hold on. What do you, what do we keep? What do we let go of? And then we, then we double down on that. So I'm very, I'm, yeah, a lot around simplicity scales. The other thing that I'm really seeing with the women that have certainly come to me is looking at outside of the revenue generation or generating revenue just within your business. And how are we setting women up for success out of that? So where are they investing in shares, NFTs, uh, investment properties, et cetera, and not being reliant on one revenue source? The other thing that I'm seeing again is about in Australia is I know a few people now who are really looking at self-managing their superannuation funds or uh, versus it being held up. Because if you're sitting on a, you know, even a couple hundred thousand dollars or $50,000 and it's just going to sit there for the next 40, 50 years, it can actually go from fifty dollars to, or, or, sorry, fifty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you chose to do something else with it, right? So that I'm also seeing a few things with a few of my friends over in the U.S., including myself, is uh, media buying, and so um, really leveraging, like going back to old school. I think about when I was an influencer with Netflix and Cole or and Woolies and all these other places. Is how are you utilizing other people's email lists? And buying their email list, buying uh, podcast advertising, et cetera, versus rate being reliant on just Facebook ads, et cetera. So yeah, so that's been a big thing. Yeah. And when you say buying their email list, you mean like putting an ad in their email rather than like just spamming their list. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So like theoretically, if it's done well, is if you say like, Hey, Steph, um, would you be like, I'll pay you for advertising and you're like, yep. But you would still disclose that whatever you're putting within your newsletter didn't mean it's like this is sponsored by or this, et cetera, right? So there's that going on. I also see like my coach, for example, at the moment, he's just acquired um, 15 different podcasts, which is a super interesting take. Interesting. And so he's acquired 15 of them. He's keeping the hosts on. He's keeping the branding on. But then he'll cross-pollinate all his own work across those 15 podcasts. Really interesting. So... Again, building his own ecosystem without it being owned by other, like he owned all of those ecosystems, right? And so, and he doesn't want to be the face. And so he, it's like a strategic move. He doesn't want to be the face of all 15 of those. So it's like he's white labeling his own product within his own product, right? So like, it's super interesting, you know, to, to sit in that space. And also, I think for me personally, it's about setting the vibration and being in a higher space with people who are doing things way far above me. And, and I'm seeing that for my own clients who are choosing to work with, say, me or your own clients choosing to work with you, Steph, is that up-leveling and understanding your frequency and your vibration. So if you're, you know, like I'll use my husband, for my ex-husband, for example, is he would come home and my energy levels would just drop. They would like, and so my vibration is lowering. And so I encourage people to think about where is your vibration increasing or decreasing? And so if you're surrounded by, say, people who are still in nine to five jobs and all they want to do at dinner is bitch and moan about how their bosses in life sucks, you know, again, that's going to like, that's going to impact you, even if you don't think it's going to impact you because it becomes an accumulation of little micro bits. And then that starts to eat at your soul. And then of course, it's going to impact your life and your business. So for me, I'm also seeing people getting a lot more choosy about who they're hanging out with 
and how their energy and what they're consuming is actually, do you know what I mean, helping them versus just like podcast, 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 blog, 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 Facebook group, Facebook group, whatever. People are being a lot more selective of family, friends, groups. And I think, yeah, it's only going to get more and more selective. Yeah. And I like even further to that point, right, about um, what you're surrounding yourself with, social media content is such a bad one for this. You know, like if you're seeing posts from people and you're comparing yourself to them and you instantly notice your energy drops or you feel a little bit anxious, like that has a flow on effect to the rest of your day, which has a flow on effect to the decisions you make, how you show up as a business owner. And that has a flow on effect to the results that you get as well. And I, I noticed this, like I've unfollowed a lot of people. Um, obviously some posts I see and I'm like, Oh, this triggers me. Why does this trigger me? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. There's like a little mindset block that I didn't realize I had, mm-hmm. but then there's other ones where I look at it and it's, it just isn't, it doesn't make me feel inspired or mm-hmm. it doesn't make me feel, um, better, I suppose, mm-hmm. for want of a better word. Uh, so yeah, I love that you talked about that. Um, what changes are you making in your business this year? We talked a bit about the business model, but are there any other major shifts that you're making that you want to share? I mean, yeah, the business model, but besides that, it's really about simplicity. Uh, outside of it is I hope to have two additional investment properties by the end of the year. I hope to increase my stock portfolio by the end of the year, but business wise, everything will rock and roll. We'll have our bottom, like our product suite with everyday payday, my mastermind for those making less than 10 K, my mastermind for those making more than 20 K and then my Bali retreat. So it's really, that's pretty much Jimmy and what will be rocking and rolling. Um, and then for us is I'm actually shutting Facebook ads off and I will be doubling down on partnerships uh, for the first kind of four to six months is what I'm going to be testing. We're also bringing back Pinterest and Pinterest ads. Uh, and I really will, I'll be heavily uh, doubling down on again, a relationship affiliate marketing for this year. So why the, why switching off the Facebook ads out of my own curiosity? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, Facebook ads have always worked from a lead gen perspective for me, but they have never, ever, ever worked from a launch strategy perspective. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, again, what I say to my own clients is like, Hey, when are you going to get off the hamster wheel? And I feel like I've been on the Facebook hamster wheel for so long and that I'm bitching about it more and more that I'm like, no. Again, whatever I'm not changing, I'm choosing. So if I'm putting tens of thousands of dollars into Facebook ads and it's not delivering what I want, I'm going to take my money and put it elsewhere. So, um, like for example, I'm working with, uh, uh, my coach just acquired this new online business model where like, again, it makes sense. I'm paying him $2,000 a month, but I'm going to get, uh, three articles in entrepreneur.com. So that helps increase, do you know what I mean? My credibility, my authority. I'm also going to be able to get 16 of his podcasts sponsored by my, whatever I choose. I'm also going to be able to get into like eight of his newsletters. I've got social media posts. Like it's a holistic approach. And that's what I used to do. when again, I worked with Netflix and and Woolies and all these other, that's exactly what I did. And it worked because it was multiple touch points by one person multiple times a year, right? And so for me is it's like, I want to just go back to that old school relationship. Can you scale off of that? It depends. It depends, I think, on how much team you have to be able to, to almost manage that portfolio of where are you paying for these different bits of advertising and really looking at the numbers to see if it's measurable. Um, but. Again, if Facebook ads isn't doing what I necessarily want it to do, then again, I think I'm no longer in alignment with Facebook ads. So I'm going to shut them off, give them a break, reassess, and then we may turn them back on or we may not. 
That's yeah, that's a really interesting take. I mean, I'm lucky. I've, I feel like I've, I learned how to run Facebook ads a while ago and I've mostly stayed on top of the, all of the changes. So I've just been running them rather than having to work with an agency. And that's been really good for the flexibility of, you know, oh, it's November ads really expensive. Let's just switch them all off for now. Or like, oh, it's Christmas time. Let's just run them at like $50 a day rather mm-hmm. than having to commit to a certain spend rather than having to pay an agency to manage them on top of all of that. And they have been good at list building. And as a result, once somebody's on my list, I can convert them reasonably well. But yeah, they've never worked from a like, here's an ad to a product perspective. Mm-hmm. Even for my lower ticket offers, they've never really worked from that. Um, but so something I really wanted, I've wanted to talk to you about on the podcast for a long time is running a business as somebody with ADHD, because mm-hmm. I know you were diagnosed a long, or not a long time ago, but a mm-hmm. while ago. I was only newly diagnosed last year after after a little while of thinking maybe maybe there's something there. Um I'm curious like what was your what was your journey around getting diagnosed and like what was it that made you think like maybe I have ADHD? So I guess if I take it back I'm an ex-mental health clinician of 15 years so I used to diagnose people with ADHD, schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, anxiety, etc. So listen, I always knew that I had it, but I didn't get formally diagnosed um, until six years ago. Um, and so it was just one of those things. There, It was multiple things. One is I was also currently in a workplace situation where I was workplace bullying. I had severe anxiety and depression and I was getting diagnosed with that. So I said, well, if we're already here to diagnose me, you might as well diagnose me with the ADHD too. Um, my son was also getting diagnosed at the time too. So I also, again, knowing that I already knew I had it, but knowing that my son had it, I was like, well, if he's going to start the ADHD medication, I might as well start it a couple of weeks before him to see what it actually feels like so that I understand a little bit more, even though we're not the same people in the same body, but I can understand what he might go through. Um, so yeah, so I took medication for probably three weeks and I haven't touched it since because wow. for me, it didn't, uh, it felt for me personally, I, I remember calling my mental health friends who were clinicians of me also. And I normally, normally I could like crank out a bl- like five or six blog posts in a day or whatever. Like I was always on fire. And so even though I couldn't concentrate, I might jump between the blog posts, but they could, they would always still get done. And um, I remember calling my friends. I was like, yeah, guys, it's like I've only been able to really get one blog post done. And they're like, oh, no, that's just normal brains. Like that's yeah. what normal people do. <laughs> like you should be proud you got one done. And then like th- just like little, little things more and more like that. I was like, well, hold on. I don't like just getting one thing done. I actually liked it better when it, it was a little chaotic, but I was able to crank out more. And so for me, like I didn't um, take the medication. It uh, doesn't mean that I would never go back on it again, but I also like, I saw the journey that my son had to go on he was on Ritalin, then he was on Vivant or Dexafetamine, then he was on Vivance, and then we finally found Stratera. So it was like, it is a journey and, and being able to love yourself and accept yourself and know that, you know, it, there's nothing wrong if it takes you a little bit longer to find the right medication. Um, but yeah, ADHD, it's always in my life. It's always on my brain. Do you know what I mean? My brain doesn't yeah. really ever stop, but. I guess the other thing I think people forget is, or people go, well, how can you do one-on-one coaching or how can you run a mastermind? Like that's a lot of energy or, or that's a lot of appointments. But the thing is, is all of my clients are different. If I had to just coach, like, um, let's just say hairstylists and all I talked about was hair every session, I wouldn't be able to coach. 
But because someone could come on and they're like a physio, the next one's a doctor, the next one's a social media manager, my brain always gets new things. So I'm always happy. The other component is that as a kid growing up, I would lose things and I would do whatever and I was forgetful. But then I almost became the opposite as in like, I would have lists for everything. So like you yeah. can see my, if you saw my desk, I've got three notebooks, there's lists everywhere. So I don't forget appointments. I'm not late. I'm actually always on time because I'm setting alarms. Like, but then I do have OCD type characteristics because of having to counteract, um, the lightness and the forgetfulness. Yeah. I, um, I'm a bit like that as well. Like I'm awkwardly early to things. If I have a Zoom call in 15 minutes time, like I can't just quickly reply to an email in that 15 minutes. I have to sit here and stare at the clock in case I'm late for the Zoom call. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, you mentioned about the lists and all of that. Like what, what sort of processes or systems or like structure have you had to put into place in your business to manage, like to, to make sure that everything still happens? Because I don't know if this happens to you, but for me, certainly if there's something that I'm really interested in or something that I really want to do, that will be the thing that I focus on that mm -hmm. entire day to the detriment of all of the other things that are on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like, how have you managed that in your business? Because as you know, like as a business owner, we have to, or sometimes we have to do the things we don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think there's two things. One is every day I always try and do my revenue generating activities first. It's just like a rhythm that I've tried to get into going, okay, yes, you want to, you want to go and make a video for the Bali retreat you're hosting, but and you no, know, you need to do these things first. It's not the videos next. So looking at revenue generating activities, uh, daily. And what are those, what are those revenue act generating so activities? So it could be like following up on, uh, an invoice that might not be paid. For example, it could be that. I love doing my own discovery calls and then I will then send the email out to the people and say, I haven't heard back. I'll always do a follow-up. Do you know what I mean? I'll like, Hey, just want to make sure you got this. Do you have any other questions? Right. Those types of things. Um, yeah, whatever I need to post, like, then like a newsletter could be another revenue generating activity. It's like, Hey, have you sent out your weekly newsletter showing up on social media? Right. With intent. Again, that intention there. Oh, goodness. What could it be? Um, it could be that I want to reach out to say five new potential affiliates that I want to work with and have them work with me. So it might not necessarily be revenue generating as in money in your pocket right now, but it's going to lead to money in your pocket at some stage. So yeah. I like so, that. Um, so yeah, so I look at what are my revenue generating activities? Uh, and then also like my team play the big part of it. I think that's important to understand is that. Uh, I do get to play a lot of times because my team, you know, they do a lot and we do have the system. So, you know, we use Airtable and we use ClickUp. Uh, we use Active Campaign. We use Thrivecart. So a lot of our onboarding processes now, I, I don't have to worry about my team worries about. And even then they don't have to worry about it because it's all notified. New person on, do this. And then all the tasks are there. So yeah, definitely tasks, uh, are tasks identified through automation have helped significantly. Um, but also, I guess, Steph, understanding, accepting myself that my day will never be the same. And so I used to compare myself to these other people who were doing like the same routine every single day. And what I can say is my routine is the revenue generating activities. But the rest of my routine, it's no, my brain will have 900 tabs open. I'll have 900 things open. And I do too lean into what is what I want to do. So the next thing that I did there, Steph, is, is that like, what has to be done today? Yeah. Clients are my top priority other than revenue, like they're on board with revenue jittering. Is there any client messages, whatever those have to be done? 
but besides that, like I try and just give myself the freedom to understand and accept that this is how my brain is uh, and not get too bogged down in the nitty gritty and what everyone else in their systems in their brain, but my brain will continue to be chaos. Like for example, I don't use ClickUp. So my team uses ClickUp and all my stuff in ClickUp, but I still will go back to all my lists because it works for me. Even though everyone okay. said, no, your list need to be, don't do your list. Everything's a ClickUp. Well, it, do- it doesn't work for me. So yeah. I get sick and tired of hearing like, it shouldn't be this and it should be this and it should be that. No, do what works for you. So I've had to do a lot of acceptance around myself and just go, this is my brain. This is how it works best. Like my team even knows, don't tag me in a ClickUp task again, because it's going to send me an email and it's going to put me off. But if you just send me the email and hound me, we're good to go. So like, I'm not your traditional CEO that my team have had to learn that this is how Ange rolls. So my expectations for my team, because they don't have ADHD and they can use those tools, is this is where I want things to be. But for me, ladies, hound me, it will get done. And you know, uh, I'm not the CEO of Qantas or whatever, and I'm not, I don't have their brain. This is Ange at Angela Henderson Consulting, and this is what works for me. Mm, oh, I'm so glad you shared that because I am very similar in that, mm. you know, we're in ClickUp like as a team, but I never really put my tasks in there anymore. I just run off my own lists. Mm-hmm. Um, and for so long, like I've always beat myself up about like, why can't I just use one tool? Why can't I just stick to it? Um, why can't my brain think in an organized way like other people? And yeah, I think I'm kind of going through that process of acceptance now. Um, so that was really, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Like that mm-hmm. was very beneficial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and okay, I've got one last question that I ask every single guest who comes yeah. on the show, Ange, and that is, um, tell us about a time that you took imperfect action and what happened as a result. Yeah, I mean, imperfect action, I would say just again, recently, right? I mean, we were just talking before we like pressed play is I want to run a retreat in Bali. I arranged for my kids to go to Bali in December. I flew back on January 1 at time of recording were January 11th and it launched last night. Like the videos that I, that I took are like videos on my iPhone. It's imperfect, but I got it out there. The sales page is imperfect, but it's out there. The automation is set up. The team says they've tested it. Who knows? I'm hoping that it's all right, right? Like. We don't have all the bells and whistles set up, but we've got enough to start marketing it. We've got enough to uh, get people onto a list and it's tagged and to give them their first survey and their welcome email, right? Like it's, it's none of it's perfect. It's as, gra- you know, what is it? Grass bones as you can get. But by that imperfect action, we launched last night and we already have two people, do you know what I mean? In a space of, you know, it's a pretty, it's a bigger commitment and they're going to Bali, but like it's imperfect. So to me, it's like, that's an example of just recently. That it's like, I want this idea. Can you make it happen? Yes. Well, then do it. And I think sometimes we overthink and overthink. And I believe it's the number one reason why people are not making the money that they want is that they're overcomplicating their business. To me, there's three key steps that you need to do to build a business is build your audience, nurture your audience, sell to your audience. Stop making it more complicated than that. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people in your shoes would have tried to plan out the entire agenda of the retreat before they even opened up ticket sales. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I think back to all of the times when I've taken imperfect action in my business 
And it's like all of those little things are the things that moved the needle most. And they moved the needle more than the things where I sat and planned and tried to wait until they were perfect. Mm-hmm. So I And I'd also yeah. say like a close second, obviously, is like imperfect action when asking your husband for a divorce. Ah. <laughs> right? Like the reality of it is, is there's so many things that are out of your control, right? Where, who's, who, what's the schedule of the kids going to look like? What are you doing for Christmas? Um, who's paying this? Um, where, who's moving out of the house? Who's staying in? You know what I mean? Like I didn't have any of those things that I knew, but what I knew is my relationship had expired and I knew I couldn't keep on that path because whatever I'm not changing, I'm choosing. So for me, is that was pretty, it was messy, imperfect action, but guess what? It's all worked out. I mean, my ex lives 20 seconds from my front door, right? Like it's where, uh, you know, he comes, he came over for Christmas this year in his boxer shorts and no t-shirt and grabbed a beer from the fridge. Like we get along very well, right? But again, it was very imperfect action. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but the action still had to be taken regardless of how messy it was or wasn't going to get. I love that. I think that's a beautiful spot to wrap up. And for our listeners who want to learn a little bit more about you, maybe if they want to check out your Bali retreat, where can they find you online? Yeah. I mean, I always say go to AngelaHenderson.com.au. And then from there, you can pick and choose what you feel most. Either connect with me on my podcast, connect with me over on Instagram, check out what I can do to potentially support you. Yes, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ange. This has been wonderful chat and thank you so much for sharing a lot of personal stuff today. I really love chatting to you because you are you are so open and I know our listeners are going to love this episode. All right, well, thanks so much for, yes, always being on your podcast. I love it, but I also just being in, I love being around your stuff. So have a beautiful day, my friend. Thank you. All right, that is it for today's episode. If you haven't already hit subscribe, make sure you hit the plus button in Apple Podcasts or the follow button in Spotify and you'll get each new episode straight to your podcast app every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.